in this edition of Hoopsology's In the Lab, Matt and Justin break down the impact of the Ruri Hachimura Lakers trade, recap the NBA standings, get the latest odds regarding the NBA regular season awards, and discuss the change to the All-Star Game format. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology, recording this on Wednesday, January 25th. A very, very cold January, I'm sure, up in Denver as well as here in Albuquerque. The wind has been insane. We got a little bit of snow, but so windy it wouldn't stick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and my good friend, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, your assessment of the weather is correct. Cold and snowy up here. So I'll prefer that compared to the Albuquerque wind. I don't, I don't miss that. <laughs> man, it's brutal. I love the snow, hate the wind. Um, yeah. If it's still in cold, I'm cool with that. Uh, also happy to report my uh, youth basketball team that I'm coaching is undefeated. 1-0 on the season right now. So uh, started great things, I think, for those uh, <laughs> those young basketball players. Awesome. Um, so, Justin, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, one thing, as we've done in some of these episodes of In the Labs, we like to refer to gambling odds uh, it's a good way to analyze what's going on in the league um, and it's also just fun to talk about so we will be referencing bovadasportsbook.com for these odds that you're hearing about so just for frame of reference there and justin the first thing that i want to kick off and and talk to you about is we had our our first trade the uh the trade deadline bottle has been corked And we are now starting to sip on (laughs) trade champagne here. Rui Hachimura of the Wizards going to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Justin, I'll throw it right to you. What are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, this is interesting. I won't have the same harsh take is Shaq where he basically said this trade is irrelevant just because he's not a <laughs> top 10 player. I don't know who this guy is. Uh, we saw Rory Hachimura play in summer league. If, if you remember uh, back in the day, a few years ago, that's right. Um, and I'm surprised that the Lakers gave all this, this up for, for Rory. Um, I think it's all right. Trade. I don't know. I think that the Lakers are who they are. I mean, let's just keep it real. I mean, we know, the Lakers are going to be any type of a threat. It's with Anthony Davis and LeBron. I mean, one of them's missing. It doesn't really matter who they have on their team. So I guess it's a nice move. I mean, I'm surprised they gave up that much for him. Um, mm. So especially just, just evaluating talent. I think that's where the concern comes in. I don't know if he's worth all of that <laughs> just for him. I don't even know how much playing time he's going to really get on this team. So I don't know. It. I mean, I saw his messages. He seemed pretty appreciative of playing in Washington, excited about, you know, playing in LA. I think he said he'd be the first Japanese um, player in Laker history, I believe, according to his social media. So that's pretty cool. But I mean, other than that, I'm kind of (laughs) like, I'm a little bit with Shaq. I'm kind of like, yeah, (laughs) just kind of the kick off the trades with a little bit of a whimper, but you know, (laughs) at least I'm getting Rory Hotcho. At least I know who the guy is compared to Shaq. So, 
Yeah, that's usually how it goes early on in yeah. the trade. I mean, you're not going to get those high profile trades <clears throat> until the very end of the deadline. Um, and I think it's interesting. It's it's making those first round picks that are so coveted for the Lakers in 2027 and 2029, the some of the last trading chips that they have remaining, it's making them all the more desirable because they're mortgaging off their future um, with more and more of this trade. I don't think three second round picks is super high value. Um, so I, I think in terms of like trying to use LeBron's window of being on the team here. I understand where they're coming from with it, but you're right. Uh, I agree with what you said. It, it doesn't really move the needle much for them. For me, if Anthony Davis is still injured, as you mentioned, you got to have both LeBron and AD, and we will see as the trade deadline approaches if they find a new home for Russell Westbrook. Bovada agrees with you in terms of the Lakers' chances, plus 1,600 right now to win the West, as well as plus 1,600 just to win their own division. Right now, the Kings in favor uh, to win that division. And speaking of which, Justin, let's move into taking a look at the standings overall at the league, just updating our good listeners on where that is right now. And we will start in the West Kings who I just mentioned are in third place. Yeah. Look at that in the Western conference. Can you believe it? 27 and 19 shout out to Deuce and Mo friends of the show going crazy. Shout out to uh, lighting the beam out in Sacramento. Yeah. Been enjoying that this season still. Um, so seven and three in their last 10, that is what truly jumps out of the page for me. Not a whole lot has changed since we last updated you guys on the standings. The Nuggets are still um, holding a stranglehold on that first place spot. They are two and a half games ahead of the Grizzlies in second. And then there's a three and a half game space between the Grizzlies and the Kings uh, in third place. The Pelicans, in spite of losing five straight, are solidly in fourth place at the moment. The Clippers... You could take this negatively or positively. They haven't had consistent lineups, but they are sitting in fifth place at 26 and 24. So just above 500 in the West. And by that, I mean, the West could be seen as really weak because of that, since the Clippers have been so inconsistent, or maybe that's a positive on the Clippers depth. I tend to lean uh, the latter rather than the former. And then the Mavericks follow the Clippers in sixth place at 25 and 24. The Suns have the same record and are listed in seventh. The Jazz are eighth seed right at 25 and 25. And then below that, you have your sub 500 teams, which include the Timberwolves, Warriors, Thunder. Hope you guys enjoyed our episode with Brandon Rabar. Um, OKC Thunder beat writer. The Thunder are hot right now but we'll see if they can keep that momentum going right into the play-in tournament. And then you have the Trailblazers, Lakers, Spurs, and Rockets sitting at the bottom. Justin, um, just anything that stands out to you about the Western Conference standings? Yeah, um, I would say the Kings, you know, sure. their rise. And I think it's about time with all that young talent. 
you know, we discussed with Brandon, as you mentioned earlier, about, you know, when is the rebuilding process finally going to bear results? And I think Sacramento's been going through something very similar, and I think we're seeing it here. And we'll have, I think it's a thing where Vegas is not showing respect to the sports books are not showing respect to the Kings on Bovada on their plus 2,500 to win the Western Conference. So, I think they don't have the respect of the the betters yet, but as we see with the Phoenix, it kind of reminds me of the Suns, right? They go eight and zero in the bubble. People are like, "Well, that's a fluke," and then you know, ever since then, they're just a perennial Western Conference power. So I don't think this is something to dismiss. I think same thing with Memphis. You know, when Memphis started to really rise, people said, "Well, this is a small market team. This is a fluke," and now they are a you know perennial. Western Conference, you know, power a contender per se. So um, we'll have to see what happens as we head towards the All-Star break. We're past MLK Day. So we have a few weeks before that that break happens. And if the Kings can maintain, you know, that third seed, I think that bodes well for their chances to avoid the play-in tournament. And, and, and you know, that's going to be very, very interesting but then to possibly have home court. I mean, and that those fans are hardcore. I mean, those fans deserve it you know, in terms of having that type of success. So that's what really stands out to me when you pull up those uh, standings for the Western Conference, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Very, very happy for those fans. Justin, as you know, my first NBA game was at Arco Arena. That's right. uh, In Sacramento. So cool to see them finally having some success again. You know, I don't think for me it translates into playoff success, but we'll see what happens. Um, The other thing that stands out to me, just real quick before we move into the East, we, we spoke with Brandon last week about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they were at the time in sixth place in in the west and (laughs) they now sit at 11th place on that standings (laughs) list as of recording and probably will be different uh chances are by the time you guys listen to this episode so point being that's how closely bunched this western conference is which is kind of awesome to see that uh night to night it sort of feels merging into playoff type territory where every game is having a consequential impact on the standings. You're seeing these rankings jump from night to night. So kind of cool to see, I think good overall for the NBA. And we still have some dominant teams up at the top there with Memphis and Denver, I would say for the time being. Uh, So moving into the Eastern conference here, Let me get my screen up. We have the Celtics now with a three and a half game lead of first place. They are followed by the 76ers in second. Um, The Bucks are a half game back in third place. And the Nets are a half game back from them in fourth place. The Cavaliers round out our, I would say, elite level teams in the East um, at... Uh, Six games back from first place. They're sitting in fifth place. And then the Miami Heat, number six, they've had that resurgence. Um, Ever since we spoke with Greg Sylvander, they've they've stayed hot and they continue to rise in the standings. The Knicks are behind them at 26 and 23. The Hawks are our 500 team in the East at 24 and 24. The Pacers are our half game behind them at 24 and 25 in ninth place. Justin's Bulls are in 10th place, 22 and 25, followed by the Wizards, who now seem like 
I think that Rui Achimura trade could signal more things to come in the trade deadline. Like, let's go ahead, except that we're not going for the play-in tournament and get more assets. Raptors in 12th, followed by the Magic, followed by the Hornets, and lastly, the Pistons. Justin, thoughts on the Eastern Conference? Yeah, a similar situation to the West, just in terms of the Cavaliers and Bovada not respecting them. They're plus 800. So the Sixers, Bucks, Nets, and Celtics all ahead of them. So I think for some fans that might be appropriate for others, particularly Cavalier fans, it's like, where's their respect? But take a look at where they are in the standings. They're fed now. So um, nothing too surprising. I will <laughs> comment on the Bulls. Um, it's just such a it's such a weird season because, like you said, it's so close. So it's just weird to hit the panic button. But you know, we keep referencing the Casey Kierden interview we had earlier, you know, a few weeks ago, and I think he's right. Like, I think the team has really talented players, but just coaching, chemistry. I mean, they just without Lonzo Ball, I just think this team's really missing something. Even though I think they're really talented, like you take a look at other depth around the league, I would put that roster up, up almost against every anybody, but just the way they execute, it's rather poor on a nightly basis where um, they just make countless mistakes to lose games. And just the way the NBA is nowadays, you just that's just inexcusable if you're going to want to make the playoffs. So um, this is that result. And I can't say I'm surprised just seeing them, you know, in these closed games and often losing them. So other than that, I'm not really surprised by the standings too much. Justin, let me ask you as a Bulls fan, do you feel like this is Coach Donovan's last year? I would say so. I know there's been injury stuff. But yeah. you think he's going to ultimately be the scapegoat for this sort of uh, tumultuous season? Yeah, I would say so because it can't be Zach Levine. I mean, he's mm -hmm. the quote-unquote franchise player. And, you know, let's just keep it real. I mean, the reference Casey, again, he's right. I mean, he is not an elite player in this league. He's a good player. He's a can be an all-star sometimes, but in terms of putting him in a class of Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, John Morant, even Zion, you know, the Joker, he's he's not in that class. He, mm. He's not an elite player in this league. And, you know, you, we see that in terms of the mistakes he makes. And really, DeMar DeRozan can't do it by himself. And that goes for Vucevic, too. Really, mm. with Vucevic and with Zach Levine, they are – you know, not elite players in this league and to rely upon them every night, you could see, you know, unless they have a Lonzo ball to, you know, as the glue, you know, they have fallen apart this season. And uh, this trade idea was thrown out on the Zach Lowe podcast. So I wanted to bounce it off of you because yeah, sure. it's an interesting bulls trade where I kind of heard like who says no was the proposition brought up. And I think this trade would of course signal the end for the Bulls season, like kind of shutting it down. But the question would be, do you want the assets? Yeah. So Russell Westbrook and those two first round draft picks that we talked about earlier that the Lakers have as kind of their future trade bait uh, and also mortgaging off their future. If they give them away um, for Zach Levine straight up, would you be interested in that trade as a Bulls fan? So obviously Russell Westbrook, you know where he is right now, but do you see the value in getting those picks for Zach Levine or is that too little? Um, I see the value in those picks and I know I, this might be a very unpopular opinion. I just think that you cut bait with him. I just, mm. I, I, at the end of the day, just seeing him play, 
I just, where's, where's the future? Like, what are, what are we doing? Like we can clearly see DeMar DeRozan is a massive piece to this team, but I think the risk is, I guess they're, they're friends, Zach and DeMar. So you mean, if you trade Zach, I mean, that'll be to me, my concern is, you know, angering DeMar in terms of, you know, what his future is going to be with the bulls. So mm. I think honestly, that's a downside <laughs> is making DeMar DeRozan angry. Cause he's been honestly, the reason why the bulls have you know, half the record that they have in terms of even having a, a chance of sniffing the playoffs is because of him. So hmm. um I think if there wasn't any consequences, I would say pull the trigger. But I think you know that relationship seems pretty pretty tight. So if he were to be traded, I think that would damage that. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I don't know how many more years of elite play Demar Derozan has. To be honest, given agreed uh, the things that he does, and yet. It does seem like anyone that I've heard commenting on the Bulls has so much more value when what DeMar is bringing to the table as compared to Levine, who Way you mentioned, more. you know, the inconsistency mm-hmm. and, and all those things. Uh, Levine is likely going to have like a, a longer career in terms of years left from right now compared to DeMar DeRozan. And yet it seems like the Bulls would be happier keeping DeMar as, as like part of their future. Like just kind of, eh, we've seen enough of, of Zach Levine running the show. Let's move on. As, as you said, well, I think basketball, you know, the players that win this league, Jimmy Butler wins, Zach Levine doesn't. I mean, we've seen that mm. with the heat. We've seen the clutch plays he makes and we've seen Levine where he just doesn't. I mean, mm. I think it's fairly clear. I don't think it's, you don't need to be a basketball wizard to figure that out. So, I mean, I wish I could say something different, but I mean, he, it is what it is when I watch this team every night and it's just really inconsistent from him. He's supposed to be the franchise player. He's supposed to be leading these teams to victories. When you see other, you take a look at Brooklyn, right? Like their roster. Like mm-hmm. I would say besides, you know, obviously Kyrie and Durant, you know, I would say the Bulls have a comparable roster to to Brooklyn, but you see with the Nets, you see Kyrie can carry them. You see Kevin Durant when healthy can carry them. And with Chicago, with Zach, you see them losing games to the Indiana Pacers where they had a lead in that game, which was yesterday as we're recording on this podcast. So yeah, I just I am not really optimistic about his his future as a franchise player on this team. Yeah. Yeah, well said. One last thing about the Eastern Conference before we get into our individual award updates. Um, You mentioned the Cavaliers being disrespected in in being the Eastern Conference favorites. One thing that I noticed on Bovada is I kind of feel the 76ers are even more disrespected because they're sitting in second place right now and they are plus 650 again on Bovada. Um, to be the Eastern Conference winner. They're sitting in second right now, and they are rated below the Celtics, of course, the Nets, and the Bucks for that, even though they're ahead of two of those teams. I think it's understandable. I get that. There's more volatility. I mean, especially if, God forbid, Embiid gets injured or something like that, then you can just, you know, write it off pretty much. But um, it's just interesting to me that they're sitting in second, and yet the fourth place favorite to be the Eastern conference winner. Yeah, no, I agree with you just real quickly. I mean, James Harden's inconsistent. You don't know about Embiid if he will get hurt or not. I mean, even though he's having a killer year, I think that's Mm -hmm. where that nervousness comes from. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let's move into our individual awards. Um, There has been 
some notable news in the individual awards. I'll, I'll show it for this one. In the MVP race, we've got Nikola Jokic now. I mean, we we spoke it about two weeks ago on this podcast, wondering if Jokic could three-peat and talking about how the narrative was surrounding him. And now he's the favorite in the betting odds on Bovada, minus 140. Luca, Justin's pick for MVP at the start of the year, plus 375. Jason Tatum, plus 700. So a little more space between second and third there than there used to be. Then Embiid at plus 800. Then my pick in fifth, Giannis at plus 1400. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to secure that at this point, but we'll see what the second uh, or I guess kind of last third of the season brings here. Um, thoughts on the MVP race? Yeah, um, I I think if you take a look at odds, I'm not an expert, but you know that Kevin Durant, you know those odds for him on mm. Bovada plus 3,500 look really good. I mean, yeah, they go on a run after the All Star break. He's on fire. The Nets are the number one seed after overcoming all the adversity. I could see him taking it. Yeah, some value there, no doubt. Um, yeah, I I think. The thing that I think about when I see those top two, Luka and Jokic, they're kind of exact opposites in terms of Doncic is nearing 40% usage rate and I think is is becoming less enjoyable to watch. I hate to say it, but mm. he's incredible. But look, in Houston, we watched James Harden do that for like eight years and in my opinion, it's a less enjoyable um, basketball viewing experience as incredible as Luca is. And certainly, yeah, you can tell me about the Knicks overtime win and, and things like that. That was historically great. Sure. That's an outlier, but then you have the juxtaposition with Jokic, who is like LeBron in Miami in terms of efficiency, like that one season where he, you know, shooting over 60% for most of the season. Um, and he's almost averaging that triple double as well. Jokic is right now. So it's, it's just interesting to me how contrasted their styles are. Um, and I think either one certainly could snag that, uh, seems to me like there's there's a lot of Tatum fatigue lately. I don't yeah. know if if you feel the same way, but it seems like he's talked about a lot less. Um, somewhat, I think, just because of the All Star selections coming up, and we'll talk about the new format there in a second. But it just seems to me like Tatum and Brown are kind of like interchangeable in a way. I think mm. they're punished for being teammates with each other. Sure. Um, and seeing like the value individually they're just kind of linked so i i think that's probably where you're seeing that fatigue come from which is a shame because i think they're a great duo yeah next we have the six man award and westbrook still leads this award at on bovada minus 190 uh malcolm brogdon of the celtics plus 200 and then norm powell at plus 800 um, Benedict Matherin of the Pacers at plus 2,500, kind of impressive rookie getting six man buzz. Pretty awesome to see. Um, I, I don't know about you, Justin, my, my thought on this is I still doubt that Russell Westbrook walks away with the six man award in spite of being the favorite all season. 
it just seems to me like this is this is a demotion for him as a six-man role in terms of his career. And I don't know if that's a narrative that inspires the voters to just give it to him. I guess the counter to that would be he gets like sympathy vote or he's just playing well enough off the bench that he truly does earn it, rip it out of everyone else's hands. Any thoughts on six men? Um, not too much. I echo your sentiments. Um, I think it would be kind of, like you said, it's like a demotion. So, yeah. and it's, it's just, to me, I mean, usually that award goes to somebody that's being a difference maker. And I think the Lakers are mostly going to be irrelevant. So kind of giving it to him. I don't know what his impact is other than like maybe his numbers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you, like you said, I, I don't see him winning it. I see somebody else kind of taking it just based on the Lakers performance. Absolutely. Moving on to coach of the year uh, award that, you know, is always argued about. And then you have to watch out for the coach getting fired famously after they win this award. <laughs> but uh, right now, Joe Missoula, head coach of the Celtics, um, has good narrative behind him. And the Celtics, of course, are playing amazing basketball. He leads the odds on Bovada at plus 200. But my question to you, Justin, we've had a lot of games under our belt right now. Who would you personally like to see win coach of the year this year? Man, if the Kings stick with it, I think mm. Mike Brown. Um, mm. I think it's just he takes a lot of crap. <laughs> He's been yeah. through a lot. And man, how sweet would it be if the Kings were to, you know, keep that third seed? Um, I think he would have no choice, but they give it to him. Um, even though that probably wouldn't be like the sexiest choice, but mm. I think it's a great story. I think it's fantastic. And I think it'd be validation of how great of a coach he is. Uh, because a lot of people would say, oh, well, he had LeBron and just other, they just use a lot of other, um, I don't know what you would call it, excuses or just reasons why he had the success he's had and not really validating his skills as a coach. And I think, you know, the Kings, even I would say if they were the fifth seed or higher, I think you would have to give some serious consideration for him as coach of the year. Yeah, you're you're definitely selling me on Coach Brown for that award, and I'd certainly be happy to see him win it. Seems like a super nice guy as well on top of the coaching yeah. uh, redemption story. Um, for right now, I'm still sticking with um, Will Hardy. I, I say sticking with. That wasn't my pick at the beginning of the year. But Will Hardy of the Utah Jazz, just for the schemes that they've brought in, the way they, they rush the ball up, uh, Coach Daniel on YouTube, who we interviewed recently, you know, he had a great video breaking down Utah's schemes yeah. on how they've been successful. So I like that. I like how exciting the Jazz have been. But, you know, I'm thinking in, in another month or two, um, it's it's going to cool down like the, the fire that was there in Utah that inspired his position uh, in the odds. Uh, quickly, Defensive Player of the Year. We have a new leader on this, Bovada has Jaron Jackson as the favorite at minus 250, followed by Brooke Lopez, plus 600. Nick Claxton in third at plus 700. Bam at a bio, no love. Fourth place, plus 1400 there. Little surprise to see Bam that low, but maybe the Heat just need to continue climbing up into the top four for Bam to have a realistic chance at this. Um, thoughts on defensive player, Justin? Yeah, not uh, too much thoughts here. Um, I concur to what you're saying. And I think with Bams, you know, 
I guess, disappoint, disappointing in terms of the odds there. I think it kind of depends on whether he move up in the standings. Typically, I think that coincides with just Bam's exposure as well. So I think Dowork, and also with Giannis too, I think he's ranked quite below as well, um, just in terms of expectations. You know, he's been dealing with some injuries. So I think these odds are probably going to change after the All-Star break if everybody's healthy. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't have anything else to add on that. Most improved player of the year, I think, is actually becoming a really interesting race now because you have very different narratives on this. And I think in a positive way, this this award can be confusing each year. But uh, we have on Bovada, Lori Markinen right now leading all candidates at minus 150, followed by Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA, who we spoke with a lot about brand with Brandon about plus one twenty and Jalen Brunson. My pick is in third place at sixteen hundred <laughs> plus sixteen hundred. So some space, some some significant space between uh, second and third place. There, my sense on this just just to give you my two cents is. I think SGA is going to come out the winner of this award. We're seeing these odds with just the beginning of this national buzz around OKC. And I think it's going to continue to grow. Uh, Whereas, as I mentioned with coach of the year, I think the jazz are going to cool off more and more as we get towards the end of the season. We'll see what happens, but um, thoughts on, you know, former bull Lori Markinen or otherwise on this award. Yeah, this kind of hurts <laughs> just seeing uh, the Utah Jazz, you know, rise up and heat their led by Laurie. And I think, you know, showing better utilization of his talent and why the Bulls drafted him. So, you know, it, it's cool to see him have success. But, but I think I agree with you. I think SGA is going to take this award um, when we, you know, head towards April and May, ultimately. Um, I think the only thing will be probably in terms of record. I think that might determine it. But there's no doubt that he's the leader of that team. So um, I'm in agreement with you. 100%. Last individual award we have to cover, and then we'll talk about some all-star format stuff. Rookie of the year. No big surprises here. Justin on Bovada. Paolo Banquero still the leader. Minus 1,200. That's a sizable advantage. Uh, Benedict Matherin is in second place in the odds rankings anyway at plus 700. And then again, another huge gap between second and third place. Jaden Ivey uh, of the Pistons is at plus 4,000. Uh, so I, I don't think we need to say much here. Paolo's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> he continues to be a beast. The Magic are interesting. They're one of those they are. bad, interesting teams. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And then Jonathan Isaac's back um, just after a long absence as well. So um, yeah. I know that got a lot of attention. So yeah, they're, they're pretty relevant now despite their record. So yeah, coming to the end of the show here, we have one more topic that we wanted to cover and that's discussing the all-star format. Justin, I know you got that pulled up, so fill us in. Yeah, for sure. So this has been discussed on Kevin Durant's podcast. Shout out to them. Shout out to the Etceteras. Um, that's with Eddie Gonzalez and Katie. That's their podcast that they host on the boardroom. And this is courtesy of the boardroom. <clears throat> and this broke, I believe, on NBA on TNT that normally airs on Tuesdays, that the picking of the teams will be different. So basically what will happen is, is that the captains, whichever who that will be, will draft their rosters before the game begins on February 19th. Now, 
Durant's idea was just to be in basically be in a locker room and the captains be like, Hey, I want this guy. I want that dude. But I don't know how the NBA is going to really execute this from a television standpoint. I don't know if they're all going to be on the court and they're all going to pick their guys. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think uh, Candace Park has a good point in terms of like, now you're going to have the last person picked, you know, in the arena with people like, with their reactions as compared to like a zoom and people forget, you know, a couple of days after the teams are selected. So this is an interesting format. I like it. I don't think it's going to really influence the ratings or anything. I think it's a cool new change, I guess. I mean, I liked <laughs> personally, I look, I miss, I'm going to miss the old format just because of like the inside the NBA crew, just roasting them and just asking them questions and it's making it uncomfortable. So I guess the crowd will have to take the place of inside the NBA, but it's cool. I don't, I don't have anything um, against this. I like the NBA trying something different. So that always bodes well for the league. What, what are your thoughts on this? Does this make the all-star game more enticing to you or, you know, kind of, are you wishing they might made a mistake here regarding this change? This is more exciting to me. Yeah. Definitely makes it more interesting uh, because of the live component of that. Uh, and you're going to want to watch all the way through because everyone's going to want to know who gets picked last. That's true. There's been hesitancy for years to do this format specifically for that reason. Like we don't want one of these players getting picked last in front of everyone. I say, eh, come on, come on. You're going to be fine. You're the last pick of all-stars, like That's the true. all-star team. They're like acting you're, like you're, you're the last not, pick. You're not <laughs> pathetic. This isn't like right. me in fifth grade. <laughs> trying to hold back tears when I was picked last for recess basketball, you know? Yeah. I feel you. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, not, not that this is uh, actually something I'm still dealing with, but you know, <laughs> come on, these guys are going to be okay. This whole entire sport, this whole entire industry is for our entertainment. And this is not like an exploitive thing, putting people down or anything like that. Let's be cool with this. Um, I, I do think it is just more entertaining to see like what the audience reactions will be to, to these picks. And also if it's happening, um, this is right before the game, you said. Yeah. Right before before the, the no, right before the game. So like either they'll be on the court and you'll have the captains pick them or they will be in the locker room. I'm not exactly sure how, um, they'll execute this, but it'll be like right before the game tips off. See that component. I love too, because yeah. we're getting to more and more like going back to me at recess, more and more like this playground feel of basketball. Um, it, it'd be cool if they did this, you know, one year at like an outdoor court too, like just, That's just keep like, keep going with that momentum. It's going to make it cooler and cooler. The more you get it in a sport that prides itself for, you know, having its ear to the streets, so to speak, um, and, and relating to everyone. I mean, this this brings it um, brings it home. Well, that's been talked about, and I think yeah. NHL's experiment this with the Winter Classic, right? Um, and and baseball, some, yeah, baseball too. Sometimes it works with hockey, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know if you remember they did a game in Lake Placid or something, and it was like oh, really. Gosh. I yeah. mean, they had to stop True. the game because it was too sunny. So I think, you know, the all-star games in February, you run into problems like playing a game at record park. It's going to be cold. You get a you know, snowstorm. So yeah. that's where, where's the game going to be played? Do you want to do it in California? The more historical courts are going to be, you know, in uh, New York. 
you know, that's where logistically, how do you pull that off? But we've seen outdoor games before. I mean, college basketball, they play on a naval ship, so it's not impossible. So definitely. Yeah. I I think it's something that honestly, I mean, I I think it will happen in the future. I I think this format change is, is a step towards that. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. So I'm, I'm a fan of it. Um, and it's not something to me that, um, I mean, like the all-star game, we need to change it around from time to time, like give, give guys a new, um, competitive motivation. This is something with this happening right before the game. This is something that adds some of that fire to it. I mean, if the guys, um, which I'm sure most of them were watching it on TNT inside the NBA, when they're picking in the past, like you get that fire in your belly when you see it. But by the time you're getting to the court, I'm sure it's out of your system. Whereas sure. now it's like right there. <laughs> yeah. This is happening. Well, guys play pickup all the time competitively. This happens all the time. And we, as fans, we see a little bit of it just because of social media. But uh, you're right. I think you're capitalizing on their bruised ego. And hopefully that'll turn entertaining basketball. And along with the Elam ending as well. So um, hopefully that'll turn into a much more entertaining all-star game. We've start, we're starting to see that. You know, yeah. the fourth quarter has been more entertaining. The guys are giving more effort. But hopefully throughout the entire game, you know, we'll see a change. But, you know, I think that will come gradually, hopefully. Absolutely. Justin, we got to wrap up. Been a pleasure as always. Agreed. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to it and thank you for listening to it. Thank you for supporting the show. We've had a lot more traction lately on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that if you haven't yet. Probably listening to this through our podcast feed. Thank you for doing so. Uh, and please share one of those to a friend. If you got a friend who's on YouTube a lot, if you got a friend who digs podcasts, digs the sport of basketball, please spread the word for us. We really appreciate it. Um, mailbag episode coming in the future. Send your emails, any questions, things like that. Hot topics you want us to cover. What is it, Justin? Trip, trip, triple double pod at gmail.com. Did I just totally butcher that? Is that our old email address? <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm all. I'm I all think it's it's a hoops, hoopsology pod at gmail.com. Oh my goodness. I'm going back in the um, day. But right, we do edit. check that. So either one, <laughs> either one, send it either one. Um, edit. Hoopsology, oh my hoopsology with an S. Um, hoopsology pod at gmail.com. Or I think it's trip dub podcast at gmail.com. That is still active. So either one, I will check. So you're not hoopsology wrong. Hoopsology pod at gmail.com. <laughs> I'll check the other one. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I guess it's tradition in the lab at the very end. I screw up our, no. our way out. <laughs> well, thank you guys again. And yes, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We'll check that. We will be back again very soon. We interviewed, here's a teaser, a legendary, legendary name in the world of sports. And that interview is going to be dropping within the next couple of weeks. So yeah. stay tuned. We're very excited for you guys to hear that. Take care. Until next time, peace out. See you later.